You're listening to Second on the Mount, a podcast of sermons from Second Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. We are glad you found us. My name is Elizabeth Link, and I'm the Associate Pastor for Christian Education. Each week, we climb into the pulpit with a bit of fear and trembling. We hope and pray that what we have to say is true to God's will for the church and may encourage and challenge you on your journey of discipleship. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review if you enjoy. May the Spirit have some word for you and what we have to share. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In 1 Kings chapters 17 and 18, just before we come to our passage, everything is coming up millhouse for Elijah. He has been performing miracles, raising the dead from their graves, calling lightning down from heaven, and confronting the monarchy and followers of Baal. As chapter 19 opens, nearly all of Israel has turned away from Baal toward Yahweh. Ahab and Jezebel, however, still cling to their idols. When Jezebel learns that Elijah has ordered the execution of her God's prophets, she orders Elijah's execution. She brazenly promises to kill him within 24 hours. It is Queen Jezebel's charge that sets Elijah into motion toward the desert. He is fleeing for his life. Tradition associates this desert in a special way with the presence of God. And Elijah needs to talk to God. Hear now our passage from 1 Kings 19, beginning at verse 4. But Elijah went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank, and then he went in the strength of that food for forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand in the mountain before the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting the mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, 
but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a small voice that said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It is enough now, Lord. Yesterday, we held a memorial service for Edie Naughton. I believe this was our first memorial service since the end of January. It certainly hasn't been our first death in that same time. Since the start of the pandemic, we have lost, in addition to Edie, George Wilson, Bill Irwin, Dick Bainton, Ruth Ellen Cannell, Lynn Avis, Martha Kessler, Mickey Nelson, and I'm sure I'm leaving out someone. And this list doesn't include your own family members who have passed away in recent months. Our weekly concerns list feels physically heavy. And I think the weight of it is so great because we haven't had the familiar markers of bedside visits and full sanctuary memorial services that we're used to. Our grief and our anxiety for more still ill loved ones leave us feeling helpless and alone. It is enough now, O Lord. Heartache is sure to visit each one of us sometime or another. No person is immune. Sometimes our suffering is personal and private, like Elijah's in the desert. Other times our suffering assumes global proportions. We need look no further than the recent news about the pandemic and racial injustices that have plagued our nation from its beginning. Such trials of faith test even the most mature saints. In 2007, a posthumous autobiography of Mother Teresa called Come Be My Light was published. Some people called her a fraud or even a closet atheist for the confessions found within the personal correspondence inside. In numerous letters, which Mother Teresa repeatedly begged her superiors to destroy, she described her experiences of profound spiritual darkness that haunted her for 50 years. She writes that she didn't practice what she preached and laments the stark contrast between her exterior demeanor and her interior desolation. A smile is a big cloak which covers a multitude of pains, she writes. My cheerfulness is a cloak which I cover my emptiness, my misery. I deceive people with this weapon. She describes the absence of God's presence in many ways as an emptiness a loneliness, a spiritual dryness, a lack of consolation. There's so much contradiction in my soul. No faith, no love, no zeal. I find no words to express the depths of the darkness. My heart is so empty. I don't pray any longer. I have no faith. I don't believe. 
She rebukes herself as a hypocrite for teaching her sisters one thing while experiencing something far different. Now, many people viewed this disparity between her private struggles with faith and her public ministry and work as a self-contradiction. But Mother Teresa is not the only saint to have described her struggles with brutal honesty and her experiences of near despair. Scripture is full of similar examples. We need to only open our Bibles to the middle, and we find psalm after psalm relating experiences of doubt, spiritual isolation, and anxiety. John of the Cross in the 16th century made famous the phrase that has found its way into our ordinary lexicon, the dark night of the soul. In the 19th century, French Carmelite nun Teresa of Lisieux told her sisters when speaking of her own spiritual desolation, if you only knew the darkness I am plunged into. When Jezebel threatened to murder Elijah, he rightly feared for his life. He fled to the desert where he hoped to die. The scene from our text comes just after Elijah has done mighty deeds and successfully defended Yahweh before the masses. First King says that Elijah came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord. My husband Chris shared a meme with me last night that reads something to the effect of, I'm beginning to think the term hindsight is 2020 might actually have been some kind of a message from a future time traveler that we all just misunderstood. I don't need to tell you that 2020 has been full of disappointments. But what's surprising are the so many varied ways I can be disappointed. Yes, I'm disappointed in missing traditional things we do and ways we gather to learn, to worship, to grieve, and to celebrate. But never could I have imagined this season would leave me so disappointed in broken systems that break the very people they are meant to serve. I have felt sad and disappointed, and I have felt angry and ashamed. It is enough now, O Lord. I get it. I get why Elijah fled the looming threats and retreated to the desert. I get why he plopped down underneath a solitary tree with his solitary desolation and exhaustedly sighed. It is enough now, O Lord. Then God does what God always does. God shows up. Like the old psalm says, there is nowhere we can flee from God's presence. There is nowhere we can go from God's spirit. Elijah retreated into the desert where he hoped to die. And an angel showed up with food. Has an angel ever shown up on your doorstep with food? It happens, both literally and figuratively. And so Elijah slept and ate and slept and ate. Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you, the angel said. And then a voice told Elijah to make his way to the mountain of God. Once there, he entered a cave where the word of God spoke to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? 
Elijah answered with the hardest parts of his story from the pit of his despair, having a bit of a pity party for himself. And it's okay, Elijah, we can relate. But then God speaks, not in the ways Elijah expected. Now there was a great wind so strong that it was splitting the mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. John of the Cross, the very same dark night of the soul guy, wrote that silence is God's first language. My favorite translation from this passage in 1 Kings describes that sound of sheer silence as the calm, whispering voice. After the spectacles of the mighty wind, the shattering earthquake, the raging fire, there is this calm, whispering voice. When someone speaks in a whisper, you have to lean in close to hear. How closely are we listening? How far are we leaning in? A poet once said, we are what we do with our attention. Whatever holds our attention holds a lot of power. Our attention is a crucial resource. Often our listening in the world is really only at the surface of things. We hear what we want to hear. We hear what we expect to hear. But if we are really turning our attention on God, we may in fact hear what God is saying to us. Interestingly, our text doesn't exactly say that God had nothing to do with the wind and the earthquake and the fire. But it does remind us that God is often in the places where we least expect to find God like in the silence of life. After all of this desert and deserted time, God tells Elijah to go back where he came from. Go back, Elijah. There is more for you to do. God sends Elijah back into the fray from which he fled. God speaking in the silence is a reminder that Elijah is not, was not, ever alone. God sends Elijah back to the faithful followers of God that wait for God's direction. And God sends Elijah back to anoint his successor, Elisha. Now, Elijah may have been ready to give it all up under that solitary broom tree. It is enough now, O Lord. But somehow, God's presence is enough. God has a future for Elijah and for God's people. Like the prophet of old, God is with us, and God speaks to us still. It is hard to do the work of living faithfully in our time, of discerning the right path forward. It is difficult for ourselves and for our families. How do we keep safe? What choices are we making that affect others? It is hard to walk the wilderness journey of learning our nation's history and pulling back the curtain to see injustice, prejudice, and hate. Where do we begin to recognize our roles in the things that divide us? 
How do we respond to Jesus' command to love God and love neighbor in a world that tells us to look out for ourselves as though our neighbor doesn't even exist? I'm right there with you, brothers and sisters. Doing the hard work of leaning in and paying attention. Somewhere in the midst of all the storms swirling around us, God is trying to tell us something. We had better listen. We better remember that we are not alone. Somehow, God's presence is enough. Please pray with me. Holy God, speak to us once more. Help us to drown out the storms that work to distract us. Help us to attune our attention on you. Make yourself known to us. Guide our hearts and open our ears to truly listen, to pay attention so that we might hear and follow. Make us brave enough to see the truth that your presence is enough. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.